and welcome to 2020 Vision with Kirsty Ingalls. I am Kirsty Ingalls. Um, today we're going to be talking about learning the language of your body and what exactly I mean by that. Most of us are familiar, or most of us believe that we're familiar with the conversations that we have with our body. But what I've found from working with so many of my clients is actually people are much more adept at talking to their body than they are at actually listening. And so what that means is that the relationship between a person's mind and the rest of them isn't necessarily quite as consensual as uh, their mind may have them believe. If the mind is imposing its will on a person, that isn't um, necessarily working for the highest interests of that person as a whole. And a very classic example of this is um, athletes. So people who are very strong at a particular sport, we think of them as having this finely attuned uh, relationship with their body, one that perhaps the rest of us aspire to. But actually what you find is that the way that you often excel in those kinds of physical pursuits is not so much by being perfectly attuned to your body so much as having perfectly cultivated the ability to really truly ignore what it is that your body is saying to you. When you are at that point in your run where your body's like, hey, this has been great, but why don't we just take a break now? Uh, for the less athletic among us, we're like, yeah, body, that's a fantastic idea. Let's let's walk for a little while, maybe smell these flowers, catch our breath, and then we can start to think about running again. But for athletes who are far more accomplished than I am, uh, it is through cultivating the practice of ignoring those signals from your body and choosing to push through that they achieve their physical prowess. Um, and I am not telling you that that's a good thing or a bad thing. I enjoy watching the Olympics or soccer or whatever it may be as much as the next person. But what I can tell you is that working with former athletes there is some degree of recalibration in that relationship between the person's determined mind and the rest of their system. That, and that work can be done to help reform the partnership such that each and every part of the person's body is actively participating in the decision-making process. So as we touched on last week, if you imagine the human body in four parts, you have the mind, the heart, the gut, and then the fourth part being you, the kind of the physical body, the energy body, the amalgam of those other three parts. You really want all four to be on the same page. And if you're not on the same page, at the very least, you want to be very clearly and precisely aware of which part of your body is speaking to you in a particular moment so that you can make a conscious choice about how to interpret the information that you're receiving 
and then you can choose your behavioural strategy from there. Okay, you'll have to forgive me if I'm a little unorganised today, as you can imagine fitting this in around the nap schedule of a little baby is a bit of a challenge, but that's okay, I guess it adds to the uh, rugged authenticity of what I'm doing here. Okay, so how is it that the body speaks to you? Um, there's a lot of different ways, and I'm going to talk through some of them one by one. Um, one of the clearest is through emotional responses. And in the way that uh, I introduced of understanding the body with the mind, the heart and the gut, the language that I use to be consistent and clear is you have the the mind which has thoughts and then the body creates an emotion in response to that thought um, and so that's a really powerful indicator both of telling you what's going on in your body but also telling you how your body feels about what is going on in your mind so if you are thinking something uncharitable about yourself and you then feel bad in your body, take a moment and say, okay, I feel bad. What does that mean? Bad isn't an emotion. What is the emotional response that I'm having? So if I catch myself in the mirror and think, uh, I'm overweight, for example, I shouldn't look this way, then sink into your body quiet your mind, sink into your body and really search for an emotion and you might feel sad, you might feel frustrated, you might feel a whole bunch of things but really drop into that emotion and notice what's going on and then once you've felt that emotion and let it express itself so that it doesn't become trapped in your system, once it's left you might at that point want to spend a little bit of time just reflecting. It's like, well, if my mind is thinking these things and that's making my body feel bad, what, what does that mean? Like, who, who should I believe? Should I believe what my mind's telling me? Should I believe what my mod body's telling me? Who, in fact, is the I in that question? Am I my mind? Am I my body? Am I something else? And that's a really nice exercise. They're just noticing when you have a thought. Pause the thinking. Drop down into your heart. Drop down into your body and ask it what it's feeling. Just so that you can begin to discern what the different parts of you feel like. And that brings us very nicely to the second way that's useful for understanding what your body's saying. Now, if you've dropped in and you're trying to explore some of these issues, it's incredibly helpful to ask your body questions to which the answer is either yes or no, rather than questions which have got a long-form prose answer. And the reason for that is 
your body will have a very specific and very clear way of telling you from your intuitive heart, from that place inside you that can draw on profound universal wisdom that is consistently correct, you will have your very own individual yes that is a visceral sensation within your body and your very own no. Um, And so as you're beginning to learn and building on your knowledge of what your body's telling you, using yes-no questions will really help you progress more quickly. And the easiest way to find the yes and the no in your body is to sit nice and comfortably. So be sitting down, have your arms loosely by your sides rather than crossed or on your body. And you're going to take a couple of nice clearing breaths, feel nice and relaxed. And then you're going to ask yourself a question to which you know the answer is yes. So for example, in my case, the question might be, is my name Kirsty? And so I'm going to ask that question. And then I'm going to take my attention, or better still, I'm going to take my attention down into the area just at the bottom of my rib cage, kind of around there. And I'm going to sit with my attention there. And then I'm going to ask, is my name Kirsty? So what I'd like you all to do, I'll give you a few moments. You can think of a question. And then I invite you to bring your attention down into that space at the bottom of your rib cage, and just spend a few moments noticing how it feels in there. And then either silently or out loud, ask yourself the question. So for me, is my name Kirsty? And some of you may have noticed a change in the sensation in that part of your body. Um, And before you spend too long describing or thinking about exactly what that change in sensation is, you're going to ask yourself a question to which you know the answer is no. So the question I'm going to ask is, is my name Derek? So I'm going to take my attention back to the space at the bottom of my ribcage. I'm going to settle into that space and then I'm going to ask, is my name Derek? And notice the sensations. And for most people, there's a very clear distinction in the way it feels in their body when they ask a question to which the answer is yes and a question to which the answer is no. It does vary from person to person, 
but very typically if the answer to a question is yes. You may feel a sensation of expansion or uplifting or one client described it as feeling sparkly. Um, Whereas in contrast, a no response tends to feel like a tightening or a contraction in that space or a downward uh, pull. Some people notice their body kind of almost twisting to the side for one of the answers. Um, And I'd invite you to spend a little bit of time practicing that just to notice how the yeses feel and how the noes feel because that's a really powerful way of accessing some beautiful internal wisdom. Now, once you have started using the yeses and the noes, and when you feel confident in discerning which answer your body is giving you, you can start to use that as a way, for example, of identifying, you can feel an emotion knocking around somewhere in your system, but you're not exactly sure what it is. So you can then start posing questions in such a way that you get a yes or a no in response. So sitting in your heart, you can ask, is that sadness? And you can get a yes or a no. If you're not sure, if the answer feels a little bit ambiguous, then you ask, try something else. Okay, maybe it's not sadness. Is that fear? Or is that frustration? Is that whatever it may be? Um, And the other trick that's really helpful if you're trying to check an answer that you already had is to ask the question one way in such a way that you'll get a yes and then ask the same question in such a way that a consistent answer would give you a no. So, for example, if I uh, have felt something going on in my body and I'm not sure if it originated in my mind or in my body, I can drop down into that space at the bottom of my ribcage, sink in and then ask, did that come from my mind? And if I get a yes... I can ask the opposite question and ask, did that come from my body? Logically, I should get a no. So if I get a yes to the question, did it come from my mind? And I get a no from the question, did it come from my body? Then I know that the system's working well and I'm getting an accurate answer. There are some other useful ways as well of checking in to make sure that the answers that you're getting are accurate. So this um, this process works, as a bit of background, this process works when our body is relaxed, when we are not in uh, a state of sympathetic dominance, so we're not in fight or flight, and when essentially all parts of our system are pointing in broadly the same direction. Uh, And that state we refer to as being in open regulation. Um, 
the opposite of that is being in closed regulation or being closed. And when we are not in open regulation, so when we're closed, essentially what it means is that there's some parts of our system have got one opinion or belief and another part of our system has a different opinion or belief. And that is not an appropriate state to be in when we're sinking into our body and asking for a yes or a no because you don't know which part of your system is responding. So for me, any time before I ask a yes-no question, the first question I always ask is, am I open? Meaning, am I in open regulation? Meaning, am I going to get strong, consistent answers to the questions that I'm going to ask? If I get a yes to the question, am I open? I then ask the opposite question, am I closed? And if I get a no to the question, am I closed? I know that I'm good to go ahead. If you are closed, then what it means is that the answers that you get aren't consistently reliable. So if you ask, am I open? And you get a yes. And then you ask, am I closed? And you get a yes. You know, by definition, your answers aren't consistently reliable. And so now isn't a good time to be doing this because you're closed. Um, When we're in closed regulation, there are a number of things that we can do to try and open ourselves up. Um, But I will cover that in another episode. Um, But as a good starting point, am I open? Am I closed? The other a tip that will help you get good and consistent answers is to spend a little bit of time being very precise in the language that you use to ask a question. Um, the, the universe or wherever it is that is asking, uh, answering these questions for you is a real stickler for syntax and grammar. And so... If you make sure that the question that you are asking is the question to which you indeed want to know the answer. So, for example, if you're asking, should I do such and such? Should is an interesting question because um, it may be that such and such is a good thing to you for you to do because you're going to crash and burn, but in the process of crashing and burning, you're going to have a really accelerated lesson in some other things that the universe would like you to know. So whilst that may may be a very effective way of providing you with opportunities to learn and grow, it's not necessarily the thing that you're wanting to do. So for me, a preferred and very energetically quick, clean question to ask is to begin a question with, is it in my highest interest too? Because as much as the crash and burn route may be effective, it's not going to be in your highest interests. There will usually be a much kinder, gentler way for you to learn those same lessons. And I want to be clear in the the 
posing of my question that I'm looking for kind, gentle and consistent help and guidance to navigate me along my way. So with the yeses and noes, the other way that I would recommend practicing this is to start with very inconsequential type information. So ask for things that you know are not charged for you. There's no emotional heat around the question. Um, So is today Tuesday? Uh, do I have two brothers? Those kinds of questions rather than something where you're, you have the potential to create an emotional response inside your body that may interfere with your ability to discern the yes versus the no. Beautiful. A third way that our body speaks to us is uh, a very clear, very visceral uh, set of communication tools in relation to our physical safety. That comes through our gut and um, everybody is familiar with how their spidey senses feel. The thing that's very interesting is that people quite often become confused in the moment that they hear the information of like, this doesn't feel okay to me, this doesn't feel safe, they're very clear. They then get into a situation where their mind starts talking, starts rationalising what's going on, and that can confuse the message. So we'll talk more again in the future about safety, but just to be very clear that that's an important way that the body talks to us and again it's important to understand which part of the body is talking to you because if your gut says hey this isn't safe you don't want any other part of your body to be able to overrule that signal because the job of the gut is to keep you safe and if your gut isn't happy you need to listen to that and act accordingly Conversely, if it's your mind that is scared, that is very important to know because the mind will often be scared about things that either you don't have anything that you need to be afraid about in that situation or conversely, sometimes there are things that are, for want of a better phrase, on our soul's path, like our soul's journey, things that we are definitely supposed to be doing and quite often those feel a little scary because they have the potential to really change things in our lives and the thing we have to remember about our beautiful wonderful minds is that they are rather small c conservative and will always choose the devil they know over the risk of starting or trying something new um So once again, you really want to know where the information's coming from. And when you have a very strong, very solid understanding of which part of your body is speaking to you, you can actually use fear as a very helpful navigation tool um, 
in that if there is something that you find yourself quite afraid to do and you know that that fear is being generated in a way that isn't reflecting something old, it isn't because you've got something unprocessed from the past, you can actually use that fear as a big flashing sign from the universe saying, do this next. But if that is your plan, you want to be very sure indeed that you are not misreading that signal. The fourth way the body may speak to you is through physical expression. So physical ailments, uh, obesity, whatever it may be. And something that I think many people fail to realise about their phys- the physical expression of their body is comes down to mindset. And many people identify with their minds and they view their body as something which is incorrect or needs to be fixed or is failing them, particularly in the case of people with chronic illness. And that's really interesting because what would happen if we take that notion, that belief, and we simply choose not to believe it? What if we spend some time entertaining the notion that perhaps my body is exactly the way that it's supposed to be right now? And this pain that I have in my knee is really doing me a huge favour and it is looking after me despite the fact that I've been resenting it for however many years that I've had a sore knee. I'm sure many of you are aware of a friend or maybe you or somebody that you know who is perpetually on diets and they do all the things that they're told to do. They restrict their calories, they do a lot of exercise And it seems like no matter what they do, they simply cannot lose the weight. And so they view themselves or their bodies as some kind of a failure. Now, I would flip that around and say, what if your body is doing everything it possibly could to protect you? One of the biggest causes of uh, physical issues that we have certainly in the West at the moment is that we live in a highly toxic environment. Almost everyone among us has got some degree of heavy metal poisoning within our systems simply by virtue of the air that we breathe if we live in a city, the water that we drink. We live surrounded by toxicity that was absolutely unknown to us. We live surrounded by fewer trees Um, so less access to things that are cleaning the air. And what happens is that either through the food we eat or the air we breathe, we ingest this toxicity into our body. It's circulating in our body with the potential to do a lot of harm. So very wisely, our bodies do whatever they're able to do 
to take those toxins out of circulation. And one of the most effective short-term strategies for getting something out of your system that's damaging is to wrap it in fat and to store it. And that's an effective short-term solution. It's not ideal. It doesn't do, uh, it's not as effective at taking something out of circulation as, say, storing it in your bones, but it's a very good and effective strategy. And so a lot of people who have uh, advice from their doctor to lose weight because they believe that that's related to heart disease or whatever the whatever the reason may be they do all of these things and no matter what happens they don't lose the weight those same people when they come to me first of all I don't I don't believe in weight loss for the sake of weight loss but what is the underlying cause of the obesity in that person and more than nine times out of ten If you support the client in removing the toxicity that is in their system as the underlying cause, they don't need to think about weight, they don't need to think about calories, they don't need to think about exercise for exercise's sake. Although if you're trying to process toxicity out of your system, then exercise is a really fantastic way to pump your lymphatic system, which is supportive to pumping out toxicity. But the point being, you address the underlying issue, which your body knew about and was desperately trying to hold on to, so that that toxicity wasn't released from the fat and then circulating in your system and making you feel sick, giving you brain fog, doing all of the other things that they do and the problem with looking in the mirror and having an issue with what you see especially in relation to obesity is that in addition to not recognizing the fantastic work that your body is doing for you already you then have a thought that's uncharitable or unkind And then that creates an emotional response in your body, which becomes an additional burden that you're asking your body to carry. So this fantastic piece of machinery that is already protecting you from the aluminum or cadmium or whatever it may be, now also has to carry around unprocessed sadness, unprocessed self-loathing or whatever it may be and all we need to do to break this chain this vicious cycle is to entertain the notion to pose to ourselves the question well what if my body is correct and furthermore what if my body is simply waiting for me to recognize it as the ally that it is rather than being a problem that needs to be fixed? It's a very powerful question and one that there's really no harm in exploring for a little while. And on the subject of the physical expression as a a form for the body speaking to us, another very common one, especially for people with chronic illness, is pain and the 
physical pain that we experience energetically or shamanically can be viewed in a very similar way to emotions, emotions that are stored within our body. Um, And so shamanically speaking, physical pain is simply a call to presence. So if you have spent long enough and if you have been thorough enough in completely and willfully ignoring your body and what it's telling you, having your mind in overdrive and really running the show, you may be lucky enough or unlucky enough, depending on your perspective, to have your body cry out to get your attention. And as with emotions, when we have physical pain in our body, the solution is simply to stop what you're doing, quieten your mind and take your concentration, your conscious awareness into the area where the pain is. For people experiencing chronic pain, we know it's incredibly debilitating, it's incredibly uncomfortable, and it's also typically unresponsive to ibuprofen, paracetamol, codeine, whatever the oxy, whatever the the medication is that people try, very typically the pain is unresponsive. And that tells us something very powerful. If a biochemical um, agent isn't an effective solution, it tells you that your pain isn't being created at the biochemical level. So it's a neuropathic or Um, energetic level that is the cause of the physical pain. The physical pain is real, it's there, it simply has its root outside of the biochemical realm. By taking your full presence into the centre of that pain, as a very minimum, the pain has the opportunity to be fully expressed and will resolve itself more quickly than it otherwise would. If you choose to ignore the pain, to distract yourself, it simply becomes stuck in your system. You may stop feeling it for a while, but it's lying there latent, aggravating your nervous system, waiting for an opportunity to become reactivated, and you will then have to feel that same physical pain again in the future. So by taking your presence in, As a minimum, you release the pain, but you may also find, for example, if you're experiencing pain in your nerves or pain in your kidneys, by taking your conscious awareness, sitting right in the middle of that pain, taking some nice deep breaths and then simply saying, hey body, I'm here and I'm listening, you may find that your body speaks to you and provides you with some insight that may help you find a longer-term solution to whatever the issue may be. The process of learning to hear what your body's saying is a very interesting one, and for people with complex chronic illness, that doesn't respond to pharmaceutical interventions or doesn't resolve 
with pharmaceutical interventions. This journey into learning the language of the body is incredibly powerful. Um, And there are some additional strategies that you can employ to uh, speed up the process and increase the uh, progress that you make in entering into a new and consciously aware relationship with your body. So the first is to cultivate a discipline of gratitude. Um, And in much the same way that uh, many religions have a focus on praising God and the atheists or the non-believers among us are confused by that. Like if God's so great, why does he need people to be praising him all the time? First of all, I'm not sure that God is a he. Secondly, the praise, the gratitude is not for the recipient. The gratitude benefits the person giving the gratitude. And that's why it can be such a powerful tool in healing. It raises the vibration within our body and helps create an internal environment that is more conducive to healing. So gratitude is both uh, a wonderful thing to cultivate in its own right, but especially when you cultivate gratitude for your body. So if you are experiencing physical pain, you can say out loud, I'm so grateful that my body knows how to resolve this pain, or I'm so grateful that I'm going to be feeling so much better really soon. And what that does is it gives a twofold benefit. So the focus on gratitude rather than the focus on the pain in itself helps remedy the issue. But also you're telling your body what it is that you want. You're telling your body, oh, we're on the path to processing this out. And so that makes the processing out of the pain happen more quickly than it otherwise would. And there's this funny little thing that happens, which is when we speak our gratitude out loud, or when we speak anything out loud, our discontent, the words come out of our mouth, and then they come into our ears, and our ears, our system hears them as if they were being spoken by somebody else. So simply by saying things that are self-critical, we are dampening down the vibration in our system. And conversely, by saying things that are supportive, we are helping our body to get back on track. Um, A beautiful way I once had this explained to me is that every word from your mouth is a prayer for how you want the world to be. And for me, that really has become a mantra especially when I was going through the process of learning how to interact with my body in a way that really was creating the optimal internal environment. So if every word from your mouth is a prayer for how you want the world to be and you notice yourself thinking or saying something that isn't quite the way that you want it to be, the solution is to Firstly, congratulate yourself for noticing and then figuring out what it was that you wanted to say. Like, I'm so bored of having this stomach ache. 
could become. I'm so grateful that I'm cultivating an appreciation of how good my stomach normally feels. Or I'm so grateful for the work my body is doing right now to get me back to feeling really good. And as you spend more time simply noticing what's going on in your internal environment, it's worth periodically checking in, remembering your yeses and nos and how to access that good, reliable information and just closing your eyes, sinking down into your body and asking yourself the question, am I hurting or healing right now? Because we're always doing one or the other. It's impossible to do them both at the same time. So periodically check in. Ask your body as two separate yes-no questions. Am I hurting right now? You get a yes or a no. You ask the other question. Am I healing right now? You get a yes or a no. Um, And obviously, if you're in open regulation... You should be getting consistent answers. If you're healing right now, that's fantastic. You give yourself a pat on the back. You tell your body, I'm so grateful at all the amazing work that you're doing right now. And if your body has told you that it's hurting, you simply take a moment and you reflect upon What is it that I could do right now? What is it that I could tell myself right now to turn my internal environment from a hurting one to a healing one? And very often the thing that will bring that change is to look for gratitude in the moment that you're in. There's no situation that you could possibly be in where it isn't possible to find gratitude. There's always something that you can genuinely be grateful for. Even as a bare minimum, it may be, I'm so grateful for this breath. And as you cultivate this practice of gratitude, it's okay if at the beginning you're saying things and not necessarily quite believing them. So it's kind of like, okay, fine, I'm so grateful that I'm not going to be in pain pretty soon. Don't say it with that attitude. Say it with gratitude. Say it with all the genuineness that you can muster. But it's really okay if only part of you believes it and another part doesn't. Because what happens is over time, because you've told your body, oh, I'm moving to a place of feeling gratitude, you get to a place more quickly of genuinely and totally feeling that gratitude. So that's a very powerful and helpful question that all of us can and maybe should be practicing on a regular basis. Am I hurting or healing right now? Beautiful. Well, that is everything for this week. Um, Once again, I would encourage you all to start practicing the yeses and the noes to get in contact with the language of your body and also to practice once you've got the yeses and the noes when you notice things going on in your body 
try and identify where it is that they're coming from. So did that last thought come from my mind, my heart, my gut? (laughs) The clue is, if the word is thought, it came from your mind. But when you're beginning to discern these things, you uh, might not necessarily know. (laughs) So did that did that idea come from my heart? Did it come from my heart? Did it come from my mind or did it come from my gut? And for any of you kids out there who are looking for extra homework, you can also decide, if you wish, to be very conscious of the language that you use when talking to or about yourself. Um, and in doing so, notice the way that that feels within your body when you consciously choose to frame things in a positive manner. Um, and then extra credit also available for anybody who chooses to periodically check in and ask themselves, am I hurting or healing right now? Okay, beautiful. Well, that is everything for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you're doing well. Um, More information, as ever, is available on my website, iniewest.ca, A-Y-N-I-W-E-S-T dot C-A. And you can contact me, if you so desire, at 2020 at iniewest.ca. That's 2020 at a-Y-N-I-West dot C-A. Thanks so much and take care. Bye.